Hello and welcome back to Tivating Patiently, the appreciation podcast that highlights, dives deeper, and celebrates the work and accomplishments of our national treasure, Aaron Tivate. I'm your host, Elizabeth, and this week's episode is a special one as it covers Aaron's movie role in Les Miserables as he takes on Enjolras. Do you hear the people sing, singing the songs of Aaron Tivate? Aren't those the lyrics? No? Oh well. For many, myself included, the movie Les Miserables was the first exposure I had to the gift that is Aaron's voice and talents. He blew us away when he appeared as the revolutionary, barricade-building Enjolras. Premiering on Christmas Day in 2012, it is safe to say that Aaron's first major motion picture role was an abundant success. I mean, just some rough estimated stats from Broadway show people speak for themselves. Christmas weekend, it's just look like, at that, 16 million people. That's really incredible. So I figured out, by my bad math, <laughs> you are about 24.8 times more famous than you were <laughs> before Christmas. Wow, I mean, the math doesn't lie. He captivated our attention with his voice, his powerful presence, and of course, the real MVP, his curly wig. I honestly didn't even realize until later that he was wearing a wig for his role. He just looked amazing and fit the part so well. I saw Les Miserables for the first time the day of the 2013 Oscars. I knew that it was up for Academy Awards in multiple categories, and I wanted to see for myself why. It was a double dose of Aaron that day. First on my screen when he entered during the ABC Cafe scene, and then that night with his iconic strut onto the stage to perform with the rest of the Les Mis cast. One of the many things Aaron knows how to do, and do well, is make an entrance. Starring alongside seasoned movie stars like Hugh Jackman, Anne Hathaway, Helen Bowman Carter, Sasha Baron Cohen, Amanda Seyfried, Eddie Redmayne, and Russell Crowe, Aaron was a bit of an outsider being a Broadway theater actor. I felt that way when, when I found out that everyone got cast. I, I, I felt that it was really special to kind of be a New York theater actor and getting cast in this movie because, you know, it's such a huge part of the Broadway community and I really, I felt honored to, yeah. to be that way. And I've, had, I've heard a lot of people say that to me and it's, it's really meant a lot because I was trying to hold our, our Broadway New York banner up with, while I was holding the flag up. He held that Broadway banner well because it didn't take him long to find his place among the stars. Hugh Jackman, the leader of the cast as Jean Valjean, was one of the key players in helping Aaron feel included and valued, along with Tom Hooper, the producer. Tom didn't hide the fact that Aaron was his man and the one that he wanted to cast in the movie as Enjolras. In interviews, Aaron has spoken about how Hugh has publicly recognized him for being cast in Les Mis. When Hugh was performing a one-man show on Broadway, Aaron was in the audience one night to watch. But during the show, this happened. And so I went to watch his one-man show on Broadway just as a fan or whatever, and in the middle of the show, he basically made them turn the house lights up and made me stand up and said to the audience and everyone that I had just been cast in Les Mis, wow. and it was like the smartest thing the producers could have ever done. Because I mean, come on. I, so it's on the Bants with Boo podcast, Aaron talked with fellow Moulin Rouge legends Ricky and Tam about his experience of working with Russell Crowe and the starstruckness that he felt during his scenes with the gladiator himself. Well, I, 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 Russell, looks... Russell Crowe was so amazing to me on that set. So, you know, we had 
you know, because listen, I had a moment where, right, we capture Javert, right? And right. so I had to basically stand in front of fucking Gladiator and be yeah. the yeah, person cool. in power in this scene, okay? That's cool, yeah. And Russell pulled me aside because and saw what I was doing, and he was like, hey, mate, do you mind if I tell you something? I was like, no, please, Gladiator, tell me. <laughs> yeah. He was like, you have to remember in this moment, He's like, you're about your, your fate. It's going to be in close up on your face and your face is going to be 40 feet tall. Everything you're doing is right. He said, just do nothing and say it to me in this moment. And I was like, thank you, gladiator. So the role of Andros came at a bittersweet time in Aaron's performing career. His role as Frank Abagnale Jr. in Catch Me If You Can had just ended and Aaron was feeling the weight and guilt over that show's end. However, within a month of the show ending, he was cast in Les Mis. The timing is just crazy. If Catch Me If You Can had not ended when it did, we would not have the Angeras that we have come to know and love today. Talking about shock and awe about getting jobs, I um, Catch Me If You Can was the last show I did on Broadway. That closed in Labor Day of 2011. I was absolutely devastated when it closed. Um, we had worked on that for so long. I... I can't say that I didn't feel like it was like my fault because I was on stage for three hours. I really put I really put that burden on myself and it was really difficult. But then a month later, within two days of each other, I got I got the Graceland pilot and cast in Les Mis. And so, you know, and if and if Catch Me Can had continued to go, that never would have happened for me. Right. So that's just. Aaron has spoken about how he's always known about the play on Broadway. He's seen it, but he feels like he's missed the chance to actually get to star in it while it's on Broadway. So being able to play a role in the movie and the role of Andras is something really special to him. I, I get to do, I get to sing some great stuff and it's just, I, I get to fight on a barricade with these guys and lead and it's such a timely thing I think today and uh, it's it's incredible. I mean, I, I it's just I can't grasp what what it what it really means to to have gotten to the chance to do this, and it's a role that I've always wanted to play. So to be able to do it on film in this movie is just mind blowing. Getting cast in the Lamus movie was just the first part for Aaron. Getting him to actually fit the part of the revolutionary Olgeras was a totally different story. At the time, Aaron had that short, cropped haircut since he was simultaneously preparing to film the pilot for Graceland, where he plays an FBI agent. And during the first camera test of one of his scenes, the directors identified two issues with him. One, his FBI haircut just would not do. And two, his teeth. Yes, his teeth were too white to fit in with revolutionary Paris. So not only was Aaron given his now infamous wig, but he also had makeup applied to his teeth daily during filming. You know, you were gonna have fancy hair? I didn't actually. I, uh, my hair was very short because I was getting ready to shoot the Graceland pilot. I had rehearsal right. for the movie in London and then I was flying right to Los Angeles to shoot Graceland. So I had to have my hair short and kind of very clean cut and FBI-ish. So my hair was very short and we sh in rehearsal, we shot, a, we shot a camera test of the okay. ABC Cafe. Basically, they wanted to, um, they wanted to see that the, all the live recording equipment worked with the cameras in the closed space, and they used our song during rehearsal to mm -hmm. shoot a test. So we were in kind of suggestions of our clothing, and we learned that. But what I, you know, my, my big white teeth were not going to fly, and my short hair was not going to fly. So that's what came out of... The camera test, they, they, uh, they, dirtied, they dirtied my teeth every day. What do they put on it? Uh, Gook? Makeup. 
paint, basically. Uh, how does that taste? Terrible. <laughs> and I literally, by the end of it, it was starting to stain my teeth. Oh. And I was like, what's happening? So. One of the most unique aspects to the Les Miserables movie is the fact that throughout, the entire cast is singing live. I remember watching an interview with Hugh Jackman a few years ago where he talked about the live singing aspect and how it really gave the actors the opportunity to play into their emotions each day. No two takes sounded the same. The decision of how to react or respond to different lyrics could always change. And if the singing was not live, the decision for how each song and lyric would sound would already be predetermined because the tracks for each song would have had to been recorded prior to filming. However, the live singing aspect was almost cut altogether. Since it hadn't been done before, the production studio started to get cold feet, and they told producer Tom Hooper that they wanted to pull it. Tom told them that if they decided to do that, he was going to quit the movie altogether. The compromise that they came to was that before making a final decision on whether or not to cut the live singing, they wanted to do a camera test so that they could see how the live singing would work and actually sound. Now, whose scene did they decide to use for a camera's test? <laughs> National Treasures, of course. As we know now, the camera test was a success and the live singing was a go. But after that test, Tom Hooper pulled Aaron aside to show him what they captured. He pulled up the ABC. We shot the whole ABC cafe scene, mm. basically, which was my number to sing. And um, we, because he wanted to prove that it could work. And then I, I'll never forget about a week later, they found out that it was on a go and they were okay. We were at Pinewood Studios in London and Tom pulled me aside like on a little break and he said, you know, come with me for a minute. And we went to the, you know, they have like a full movie theater at Pinewood. Right. And he, we, Tom and I just sat and, you know, he played what we had shot with the live singing. And uh, he just turned, he just turned to me and said, thank you. Wow. You know. Aaron has said that being a Broadway theater actor gave him an edge when it came to the live singing. He's used to the grind that's singing live and the importance of recovery. And in addition to the live singing of the film, performing at the Oscars was uncharted territory for many of Aaron's co-stars. Sure, they can sing and perform on camera for a job, but to do it live on stage in front of their peers? That was one area where Aaron came out on top with having the most experience. He has said that he pulled from his past Tony experiences when it came to prep for the Oscars, since he'd performed on the Tonys twice before at that point. The biggest difference now would be that instead of Broadway stars staring back at him, he'd have actors like Robert De Niro and Meryl Streep in the audience. There's a video of the Les cast in the recording studio for the Oscars rehearsal, and while most of the cast is focused on their music sheets and their lines, Aaron's in the corner of the room filming the rehearsal on his phone and just maybe two seconds before his line is up, he slips the phone back in his pocket, turns and belts out one day more, just like a pro. I mean, not only does Aaron know how to make an entrance both in the film with the ABC Cafe and with his epic Oscars strut, but he knows how to make an exit too. Angel Ross's death scene in Les Mis is epic, facing a firing squad, falling backwards out of a window, hanging there upside down. Here's what Aaron had to say about that whole experience. 
Your death no. scene is epic. It's epic it's, and it's, graphic. It is and one of my favorite moments in the movie. Yeah. Is it scary to get shot like that? I mean, you had to fall back. Well, you know, they put they put squibs on you, which are they're literally. I had like a harness, and first of all, I was harnessed in because I had to fall back out the window. Okay. But then they put like a vest on you that has squibs, which are basically when you see people get shot in the movies, they're things that instead of the bullet going in, it basically explodes out uh -huh. and will go through your clothes. And uh -huh. you know, so we only had a couple shots because I only had a couple shirts to like. Uh -huh. you know, but these squibs, they, it's actually makes it really easy to react to because they give you a, uh, a, a bit of okay. a, a bit you of a pop, uh -huh. you know. And actually, I had about six or seven all of my body because you know the firing squad yeah. style. But one of them that was kind of right, right in my lower stomach. I don't know what happened. The squib misfired a little bit, and so it actually instead of coming out, got blocked against something. I think it got blocked against my belt or my gun belt and went back in. So I got a, I had a huge welt on my stomach. So uh, it was a, it was a little more method than I like to go sometimes, <laughs> but uh, but it was it was really really cool. Since it was such a diverse cast of actors in the film, in interviews before the premiere and even after, Aaron was often asked a lot of "Who would you most like to?" questions, just for fun about his co-stars. So here's a few of his responses as we wind down this episode. Who would you most like to have a beer with? Russell Crowe. Sing a karaoke duet with? He said a West End actor because they're so funny, and the song would be something idiotic, almost paradise from Footloose, for example. Who would he like to star in a Broadway show with? Hugh Jackman. Now, side note, Broadway gods or higher powers, please make this one come true. Who would he most like to play golf with? Eddie Redmayne. Who would he most like to have a guest star on Graceland? He said Sasha Baron Cohen, and he could be like a Colombian drug lord or something. I wish we had the chance to have that one happen. And who would he like to celebrate his 30th birthday with? It's crazy that Aaron wasn't even 30 yet when he started Les Mis. He said all of them, but definitely Russell if it's party related. To quote Aaron as Ross, the colors of the world may be changing day by day, but Aaron's legendary performances remain a constant, and I can only hope that more big screen movie musicals are in his future. Thank you so much for listening and for your continued support of this podcast. Les Mis will always hold a special place in my heart, both for its epic performances and music, but also for introducing me to Aaron. As always, if you're looking for more fun Aaron content, you can find me on Instagram at tevating underscore patiently. Hope to have you back here for episode eight.